Next week, we'll continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount. Today, just a, a few words, my opportunity to cast our vision again with you. One of the reasons why we waited to fall was because we knew summer would be really hot in here. And uh, I just want to remind you of our air conditioning fund. You can help with that if it means something to you today. Any hotter, I'd choose to preach on hell. That's what I'd do. (laughs) Sometime about 10 years ago, when companies were all moving into IT, and from paper files to data, and then from data stored on their own hard drives to the cloud, during that whole period, companies needed a whole lot of help getting up to speed. And many of the advertisements on television for companies were all about that. The executive of the company comes into the conference room and the various managers are there and all they're discussing is tech. And none of them know what they're doing about tech. And then the company that says, we can help you solve this. You saw those kind of advertisements for quite a while. And then there was a advertisement that I remember very distinctly where once again the president of the company comes in to meet with his leadership team and he's all intense and he says, is there anything wrong with the network? Any problems we have to fix? And he runs through a whole list of the typical IT questions and they're all sitting there going, no, everything's fine. And the president says, so so what are we here for? And they looked around at each other and then one of them had the courage to look at him and say, shirts. We make shirts. (laughs) Sometimes we can get so caught up in making sure we're functioning that we forget what we're really all about. And what I want to do with just a few minutes is to remind us that even though we have spent weeks pouring into this beautiful space, by the way, I understand George's comments about the end of uh, a season for for Belmont Street, but we think of ourselves as having adopted Belmont Street, carrying on that legacy. And you'll see in the back room a whole legacy wall that tells that story and our coming together. Yeah, maybe you did die, but Jesus raises things from the dead, so. (laughs) And uh, we're experiencing that together. But we spent a lot of time with the space, and in fact, we've done our own IT upgrades. And currently, there's no internet in this building. That will be fixed as soon as possible. (laughs) But we're not about this building. So what are we here for? Souls. We save souls. We make disciples. Everything we have on earth, including this incredible building built by Swedes, And this was their great act of love for the glory of God. And they passed that down to their children and to their children and now to us. As incredible as that is and as beautiful as this space is, it's just a tool. It's just a resource. It is not a church. I love what the Church of Christ people do. If you drive by many of their small buildings where they worship, there's just a sign that says, Christians worship here. Yeah, Christians meet here. 
In fact, the church meets here. We're a piece of the people of God who, as Paul reminded us, gather everywhere in some glorious auditoriums and sanctuaries and cathedrals and others in storefronts right down on Maine South. The church ultimately is not a building as beautiful as they are. It's the people. When Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, he didn't have the crystal cathedral in mind. I remember as a kid, how many of you remember this? Say it with me. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors. Boy, are we old school. Here's how it really should be. This is the building. This is its steeple. Open the door. See the church, the bride, the ecclesia is the Greek word, the called out people of God. All blood-bought children of God who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord across denominational lines and across the world. Let's remember that's what we are. And as incredible as this space is, we don't worship it. We use it. We're stewards of it. It's a launch point. It's not a bunker for us to survive against a world that is increasingly hostile towards people of faith. It's not a rapture preparation center. I think I told you that. I I was in North Jersey, and there was this Sunday school bus that drove by and had the name of the church, Rapture Preparation Center. That was the name of the church. (laughs) You kind of know what they were about. We're not a rapture preparation center. We're not a bunker. We're a launch point. We come here to worship. We come here to celebrate. We come here so that God prepares us to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Our readers today took us to not what we refer to as the Great Commission, the last words of Jesus in the gospel, but took us to the first words of Jesus. Because what we see in Luke 4 is Jesus' own mission statement. You can't understand the last statement of Jesus, what we call the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You can only fully understand that parting mission by understanding Jesus' mission. And you take the beginning in Luke 4 and connect it to the end. And what you understand is that Jesus is all about the extension of the kingdom of God. And that's what the gospel is about. There's so many things in this story of our coming here that you can see God having lined things up long before any of us were aware of the trajectory. George mentioned it. One of the things is that we really felt God leading us this last year to focus on the idea of being a people of God's kingdom and thinking missionally in terms of extending the reign of Christ in our lives and into this city so that the shalom peace of God comes to this city as we bear Christ's name. And so we focused on the coming of the kingdom. And I want to remind you what we saw in this passage, Luke 4, Jesus' own mission statement that comes directly from the prophet Isaiah. And that he said, this has been fulfilled today in your midst. And what we want to be is a church that looks just like Jesus. Our mission was Jesus' mission. 
He said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. What we see in this passage, first of all, is our identity. And our identity is that we are the body of Jesus participating in the mission of God. And our mission is to continue and extend the mission of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, anyone who believes in me will do the works I have done, and even greater works. So if we look again at that passage that Jesus read from Isaiah, we see this beautiful statement. Let's say it together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. So what we see in this around Jesus' mission, and therefore what ought to be our mission, is first of all the big picture. The big picture is about the good news. The statement good news to the poor is actually the introductory statement. And the Greek word for poor there actually means all who are in extreme need. Remember in Jesus, when he began the Sermon on the Mount, what does he begin with? Blessed are the poor in spirit. This word, poor is about brokenness. It's not just about financial poverty. It's for all of us. All of us are in tremendous need when we stand before God. So what Jesus is saying is that this is a message that is for everyone, and it's good news. We are all in great need of it. The word good news is the word evangelion. It's the word that we see other places translated as the gospel. And then at the end of the list, he says, this will bring about the year of God's favor. So this is a message about God's grace being available to a desperately needy world. Now, when Jesus says the good news, the gospel, Paul reminds us what that is in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, in other words, what Jesus passed on to me about the gospel, I am passing on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the heart of the gospel is the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the heart of his good news, that our deepest poverty is spiritual. And what we need is for God to enrich us by bringing forgiveness of our sins. And he offered that by sending his son to die and to bear the sacrifice for us. And that is good news for everyone. But Jesus' mission does not end with the facts of the gospel. And this is where much of evangelicalism has lost its way. That the gospel is a set of ideas that somehow we need to convince people about. We've turned the gospel into a sales pitch. Four steps to peace with God, right? Little prayer and a signature at the end of the track. We have turned the gospel into a message of ideas 
that if I can convince you to acknowledge those ideas are true, that's transformation. Well, that's hardly the transformation Jesus had in mind. He doesn't want to just change minds. And he doesn't want to just change individuals. Jesus, through the good news, envisions a transformed society. Those of you that love great theology and are really charged by by somebody that just challenges all your ideas, that's great. But man, if it's not transforming your life and if you're not winning your neighbors for Christ, then you're missing something. That's not the gospel. That's not even good doctrine because good doctrine works itself out in the mission. Good theology transforms us and as we reach out, transforms our neighborhoods transforms people around us. That's what Jesus pictured here. There is a tangible impact. Let's just list the four things that he talks about. Comfort for the brokenhearted, pardon for the prisoners, healing for the affirmed, justice for the oppressed. When we did our study on the kingdom of God, we took some time and broke all this out. But what I want you to see is the big picture here. The gospel isn't individualistic. It's global. We have individualized the idea of the gospel so that it's all about me being born again. And let me just remind you, as as great a metaphor for salvation as that is, it's only used once in the Bible, is not the primary story of even Jesus. Jesus' primary story was, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. That's the coming of the kingdom of God. His reign, Basileia, the reign of Christ. And based on that, you go and bring the gospel of the kingdom. Born again is a great metaphor. But if that's all we see, we don't understand the extent of the transformation the gospel's all about. We only see the first segment of the gospel, redemption. But the gospel is not just about redemption, it's about two other things, reconciliation and restoration. Jesus pictures this. The apostles extend it. John on the island of Patmos sees the end result of the extending of the kingdom of God through God's people when God finally steps in and eternity begins and Jesus turns and says, look, I have made all things new. You see, we think the gospel is just about new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. That's part of it, but Jesus sees more than that. John saw it. The end product of the gospel is new creations, in a new city, a new heaven, and a new earth. And the gospel is no smaller than that grand scheme, which is about redeeming the lost so that they can be restored to Christ. It's about reconciliation, not just for us, but as Paul says in Colossians 1, through him, God reconciled all things to himself. And it's about recreation. And so when Jesus says, this is what I'm about, And then he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I am telling you that God brought us closer into the heart of the city to be the hands and feet and the message of Jesus to the city. And just like Jesus came to bring good news to those who are spiritually impoverished and comfort to the brokenhearted and pardon for the prisoners and healing for the affirmed and justice for the oppressed, that's what we need to be about. So if you're willing to be a part of a community where we're coming and we're worshiping and we're being transformed through the Word of God, but that's not our goal, that's just our boot camp, 
And as we get transformed, we're going to reach out to the blocks right around us, and we're going to reach out to the city and bring the shalom, peace, and reign of Christ to the city and minister to people in their point of physical and emotional and also their spiritual need. If, if you're in for that, then you are very welcome here because that's what we're about. Souls, transformation. The gospel doesn't just change you, it changes Worcester and beyond.